Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, have you ever been on an awkward plane flight? Like maybe yeah. an ex-girlfriend or a person who won't give you enough armrest or whatever it might be? Brian, I went on so many family plane rides. And you know who I always sat next to? <laughs> you. Yeah. They were so, all awkward. Yeah, always. Um, none of that compares to anything the Lakers are doing on Friday as they go to Orlando with Russell Westbrook and Frank Vogel on the same airplane. We'll talk about that and more coming up next on Locked on Lakers. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays and Sundays. We get this thing up for you as early as we possibly can. Uh, again, even earlier, sometimes on the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel, you can get uh, the, the next day's show today uh, often. And want to uh, let everybody know, Locked On Rams, new host yes. Travis Rogers. Go check that out. Rams have a huge playoff game this weekend in Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, Travis, great guy, great host. Uh, and you are going to love that show. He knows that know. team exceptionally yes. well. Pre and post game host uh, for the Rams, so he's like tied into what they're doing there. Uh, can't do any better than Travis. So congratulations to the network for getting him. Um, all right, so let's let's recap before we get to where the Lakers are going because the <laughs> set the, the scene, shall yeah. we? Um, because where they're going is important. It is critical and it is difficult. Um, and there's some basketball stuff in there too. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna iron itself out. But let's go back, Andy, to a crazy, crazy Wednesday night. We were all so much younger then, Brian. Yeah, but I am so much older now. <laughs> and it really does. As we discussed, this season is aging the ever living crap out of James Worthy. I feel like you know, it's like I'm like I, I came into this like when I thought they were getting Buddy healed. I looked like Lincoln in year one. <laughs> like by <laughs> by the end of it, I looked like Lincoln like days before he went to Ford's Theater. Um, so if you missed it. The Frank Vogel's job security has obviously been a huge topic of conversation throughout the week. The Lakers lose a terrible game against a team that hadn't won, an Indiana team that hadn't won a road game since, I believe, November. They'd lost 10 of 11 overall. Um, and there's just, it was, it was awful and it was weird. Uh, and, uh, you know, the lineups were odd. Carmelo Anthony played 30 minutes and all, but it was punctuated, Andy, by Russell Westbrook sitting for the final four minutes of the fourth quarter. Asked about that, that in and of itself is a nuclear bomb, which we can discuss. Afterwards, Frank Vogel was asked why, and rather than sort of support, oh, he's our core guy, he's just having an, an off night, it happens to even the greatest supers. I was playing the guys I thought would win the game. I'm just letting that settle in. Yo, no, no, I... Just Pregnant pause, yes. a little bit of drama, a little let it stew for you exactly what Frank Vogel was saying about the team that fourth quarter, crunch time, and Russell Westbrook, uh, ostensibly one of this team's big three, certainly salary-wise, if nothing else, he is a future, <laughs> he is a future Hall of Famer. He is one of the top 75 players of all time. He is a former MVP. He is also a very Mercurial force of nature. Continue. So, so <laughs> Russell Westbrook 
left the building without speaking to reporters, which I think we both agreed was probably best for everyone. Late in the evening, Andy, as people probably even after they already went to bed, Dave McMenamin, outstanding reporter for ESPN, covers LeBron, covers the Lakers, has done a great job with that for years, came out with a bomb of a report that said this wasn't Frank Vogel freelancing because I took him to of uh, benching Vogel as the as a uh, Westbrook Vogel benching Westbrook as the move of a guy who knew he was going to be fired and was kind of flipping the bird to the front office. You people did this to me. In fact, he had been given, according to this report from Dave McMenamin, Frank Vogel had been given the, uh, the coaching staff had been given the, the green light to coach Westbrook as they see fit, even if that means pulling him from a game as Vogel did for the final three minutes and 52 seconds of the fourth quarter against Indiana sources told ESPN. One source close to the situation described the message for management to the staff as you got to do what you got to do. I have a few thoughts on why this is so important and what it means um, and where it probably came from, but I'm sure you do as well. And I've been talking a lot, so go ahead. Well, I mean, first thing that I think is worth noting is none of that means that it was not Frank Vogel giving the middle finger to the front office. That yes, that is first. Need, that was one of my points too. You need because you had, you had set it up as the possibility that you know this was more him working hand in glove with them, having been given, you know given uh, a license to operate as he wants to and therefore uh, more potential backing. No, that's actually just the front office saying, you know what, do what you got to do. And however those chips fall, they will fall. You know, right. And by the way, and the results are on you. Right. The results are on you. And I mean, the flip side of all of this is if you know that you may get fired anyway, they can't fire you twice. So you can play whoever the hell you want. If Frank Vogel didn't have the green light, but he thought that he was going to get fired anyway. To some degree, that green light doesn't even matter. Yep. So, way, do you it, think? It, do you think Frank Vogel's putting his hand in Rob Palinka's glove that much these days? I don't. I don't see them working that. I feel like that's a tense relationship right now. No, the only glove I think he would like around Rob Palinka would be a boxing style glove, <laughs> and right at Palinka's gorgeous face. Um, so, I, I think that's one of the the things that has to be noted from the beginning is. Just because you got the do what you got to do directive or permission structure doesn't necessarily mean that that wasn't Frank Vogel saying to the front office, this is what you stuck me with. This Mm -hmm. is these are the constrictions that I'm dealing with. I just you are a thousand percent correct. And I'm so glad you started there. Go on. What else stuck out to you? Um, That Frank Vogel is for however long he is going to be coach of this team and you know that is an hour to hour minute to minute second by second fluid situation he has clearly reached a place where he is not afraid to play with fire like he he is going to similar to what we talked about and this is really interesting is a very full circle thing you know or close to full circle because it feels like the circle is uh pretty damn close to complete with Vogel and this team the second game of Vogel's tenure with the Lakers he played with fire by starting Anthony Davis at center the second game of the season against the Utah Jazz. Yes, he did. And this was not long after Anthony Davis had been on record noting uh, his well-reported disinclination to play center. 
Yeah, I mean, every everybody has known this about Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis noted there will obviously be times where I play center, but I think everybody was sort of in the in an acknowledged and even unacknowledged agreement that this would be on a case-by-case basis as needed, hopefully needed as little as possible. Frank Vogel, as the team was getting beaten by the Jazz, shifted to Anthony Davis playing center to start a game, second game of the season, which is to start, really, start the second half. Second of half that uh, of, the, of that game. That is really early to fire that bullet. And you and I both noted at the time, exceptionally ballsy right. of Vogel to do that. It worked. The Lakers won the game. They came back from being down. And I thought that that established Vogel from the outset of his time with the Lakers as somebody that as much as he has a very low-key demeanor and he's kind of all shucks in the way he presents himself, he's not f- afraid and he's not a pushover. Right. And and that, the, you know, the context, remember, there too, is like th- they lost their opener. And this was still at a time when – the, there was no presumption that the team was going to succeed early, and it was presumed that Jason Kidd was there to pick up the pieces after Frank Vogel didn't work, uh, and and maybe you know thirty games in would get fired. And so I, I think that's a great comparison. I'll tell you another thing that stuck out to me, and um, I am not the only person who thought this. I was reading Tom Ziller's newsletter, great basketball writer. Um, and he kind of pointed this out too, uh, really in, in more clarity than I was pointing it out in my own head. I, I, it feels if you read Dave's report, there is a lot of detail in there about why Westbrook was pulled. And most of it was defensive. It wasn't that he was five of 17. It was a lot of defensive stuff. And it was very specific, yeah. specific to moments in the game, play in the fourth quarter where they've been telling guys, don't let Karis Levert go to his right. Russ may, misplayed the thing and, you know, Russ being average to poor defensively is not a new thing, but it was enough to get him pulled from the game. This that was a- this was about with about seven minutes left in the game, and also mm-hmm. it's important to note uh, this was also on the heels of Westbrook missing a jumper, and you know this was coming in a, in a second half where right. he was not making shots at all. Which even if this was more about defense than offense, when it is you know coming in concert with offensive struggles like immediately afterwards right. it's going to magnify it that much more like this was and something get the coach, actually, right get the coaching staff's attention right it is before before we even read this from dave and people should definitely read this because it, it's really good specific reporting this was something in my game notes that sequence of like oh my mm-hmm. god that is a disaster sequence for for russ so that was what was noted by the staff when they're like and you know why we pulled them and all that stuff um and to me, and I'm guessing, but at this point, everybody who's got access to anybody, like the leaks are, I referred to it on, on Thursday show as whack-a-mole. I mean, they're coming from everywhere. You know, the, 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 the call is coming from inside the house at this point. <laughs> A lot of phones. Um, everybody's got one. But this feels to me like a leak, you know, like, like Dave is talking to the coaching staff, people on the coaching staff, just because of the specificity of what he's pointing out and why they're, I don't feel like Rob Palenka would have told him exactly what the play was that, that got him thinking. I don't, you know, <laughs> he was busy reading during it. <laughs> <laughs> what would Pablo Neruda do? <laughs> but the quotes about not just why they pulled Westbrook, but pointing to getting management's approval to do things like this are really significant in terms of that Vogel sticking up for himself thing 
and kind of the the dynamics of it. And, and Ziller pointed this out in a, in a really interesting way, and I was sort of tinkering around with it. Uh, and I'll, I'll explain it uh, next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march the playoffs and beyond. And Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. To sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use the promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. All right, so I'll read this from Ziller. Every, it's worth, he is one of these guys, I know everybody's got a newsletter these days and all that, and you know the subscriptions do start to add up. His is worth subscribing to. I'll just read from it. Um, the other issue here is that Westbrook is smart and reads the media. The front offices, the Rambuses, or as we call them, the Rambi, for good sake, the Rambuses read the media. Does anybody think Westbrook is going to take kindly to reading that A, Vogel asked permission to bench Westbrook during a tough spell, B, the front office granted it, and C, the moment in which Vogel made the decision to do it is spelled out. Does anyone think Rob Palenka or Kurt Rambis? <laughs> Kurt Rambis, it's 2022. We're talking about Kurt Rambis with respect and in a position of power with a team, an NBA team. Are going, I love that he threw that aside in there. Are going to take kindly to reading that they gave Vogel permission to bench one of the team's stars. That dynamic, Andy, where he's like, it's not only like, hey, I'm taking the the brunt of this because, you know, awkward plane flight, as we mentioned in the open. Um, Russell Westbrook, an extraordinarily prideful player. He, in doing this, this report removes a lot of that plausible deniability or whatever from management. And it says to, to Russ, it says to team Russ, it says to everybody, no, 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 no. It's not just me. It's like, they recognize that you're not doing it either. Um, and that you're, you know, you're a part of this problem and not helping. Um, and maybe it's not going as well as it's supposed to. So in, in some ways, whether intentional or not, this report ties the front office to the same move with an incredibly prideful and incredibly mercurial player. And I mean, I think this is interesting too. You can, if you want to say, talk about that part of it or like benching Russell Westbrook in the, for the final four minutes of a game like this is a nuclear option. Once you do that, like it's done and it, the, the relationship is forever changed. Yeah. And, you know, this we, is a BFD. We, um, we, as the kids would say. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday's show, but, and it's not a total apples to apples comparison um, because one coach was much more in the wrong in the way he handled it um, than the other. But in 2012, when Mike D'Antoni benched Pau Gasol for an entire fourth quarter and was asked about the thought process behind that, why he did that, and he said, I, I wanted to win the game. You know, I, that might not be his exact words, but it's pretty damn close. It's pretty damn close. That relationship between D'Antoni and Pau Gasol, and you and I were around, we were in the locker room, we covered those teams on a daily basis. It was never good from that point forward, mm -hmm. granted, D'Antoni was in a position where he needed to use far more tact than he did, and Powell had not been nearly as problematic, or at least periodically problematic, a player as Russ has been. And also, Powell Gasol had earned the equity at that point of two championships 
with the Lakers and Mike D'Antoni had been on the job for like a week and a half. So, I mean, and, and you and I covered D'Antoni and I think we both got along with him, but he, he ain't a politician. Mike D'Antoni no. has never. And the politics, actually, the, hard, the, the hardest thing I think he had to deal with here, the party struggled with the most, was that. It was the, yeah. you know, playing the media and understanding how he says stuff and what it means and how it's going to be perceived and and holding his, biting his tongue when he didn't want to say anything. Right. Vogel's as much a, better at that. I was going to say, as opposed to Frank Vogel, who I think actually is a politician and has handled the politics of being the Lakers coach right down from to the outset when he was hired and he was introduced in a farcical press conference where because you know it had been a bleep show for the Lakers for like six months and nobody in the front office had spoken to anybody during this period after Luke Walton was let go, after Magic resigned, after all this stuff, the first time anybody heard from anybody from management was Rob Palenka there to introduce Vogel. And all of the questions basically went to Rob Palenka, some form of the hell, man. Like, and Vogel handled that press conference exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. Like he, he managed to win the room in impossible circumstances, in part because he handled the politics of it very well, which speaks to exactly where they are right now, where Vogel would say F the politics. And it may not, and to make it clear, I agree with Carmelo Anthony that this is likely not personal against Westbrook, even if he is exasperated by Westbrook. No, I don't think on a personal level, Frank Vogel dislikes or even doesn't respect Russell Westbrook. I think Vogel has a tremendous amount of respect for what Westbrook has accomplished, for who the player he is, for the for the for the sort of energy that he plays with and all that stuff, all the stuff that makes Russ Russ. I think it's not personal in that way. It is personal in the way that Russ plays and his shortcomings at a time when Vogel is game to game with his job security. Well, and, and Russ also really quick, not to interrupt you, Russ represents all of the reasons or at yes. least all of the structural roster reasons that Vogel is struggling, even if mm -hmm. it's obviously to be clear, not all Russell West. But the politics, you know, but the you know, people we've gotten people all year long. He should be the sixth man. He should come off the bench. They should, you know, should have established early that he's not going to play in every fourth. No, that is not how this works. It is not how it it was ever going to work. Um, you know, it is it, it never would have, you know, this thing would have blown up on in game three if that yeah. was the option. Like, you, you're gonna do what? No, I'm not doing that. Um you have you can pull that lever once, and I'm not saying that the relationship between Russell Westbrook and and Vogel is irreparably damaged. That Russ is going to tank games and he's not going to play hard and all this, other, but it's different. You heard LeBron say it. You know, LeBron was asked about this uh, after the game on Wednesday. You know, what do you think? It you know, how do you think Russ feels about this? And LeBron was basically like, you know, the answer to that question. You know, is is he is he a proud guy? You know. Yes, you know, is he, you know, an intense competitive guy? Yes. You're, you know, again, so I'm not I'm not doing your work for you. Here's like you know the answer to that question. LeBron actually, this was great. And I wish more athletes would do this. LeBron gave it was Bill Orm from the Athletic right. who was actually asking the question. And when he answered LeBron's question for him, LeBron gave him the permission to just quote himself. Yes. And I wish more <laughs> athletes would just do that. It would make everybody's life easier. The writers, the athletes, just like pick the Pick the guys who've been around the team that you know well. You know their right. response for their you job. You know that they know what you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, just, you know. Yeah, you're right. Cut off the middleman.
there are a lot of times when you ask questions like I know what I, I know what the answer is. I'm not allowed to quote myself, and I'm right. not allowed to invent the quote. Um, but the, you know, he also was going to see a movie afterwards with his right. wife, which I found amazing. This could start like an eleven o'clock movie. He's, at, but he's, at he's age, got child care at age no, but at age thirty seven, you put me in a dark room. I mean, I'm older than that, but even at thirty seven, you put oh, me in a, done, dark, done, in a dark dark room at eleven. Done out. So he's got energy. You know, you just you can do this one time, and the minute you do it, it doesn't mean that the relationship is done. It doesn't mean that you can't get past it, or that Russell Westbrook's going to be, um, you know, benched in the fourth quarters going forward. But when you do it the way he did, and you respond to the question the way he did, it's 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 very pointed, and it changes the dynamic of this team significantly. It changes their relationship significantly. And it's just one more thing to discuss as the Lakers get on what is going to be a very awkward plane flight, which we'll talk about, uh, for an incredibly important and very long and very difficult road trip. All of that coming up next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or just eating healthier, Built Bar can be a part of that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it makes it so you can eat healthy but it doesn't get boring. So after like a few weeks, you're like, oh, this is the worst. And I want some chocolate, man. Well, guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Most of them contain just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. That's the good stuff. So even if you're not into working out, you can reward yourself afterwards. That That's the, the carrot as opposed to the stick, something that tastes good. This Tons of great. is the carrot, Andy. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> it's it's like a chocolate-covered carrot. Um, there are a lot of great flavors to choose from, like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, mint brownie. I should uh, correct myself. A chocolate-covered carrot sounds terrible. It's going to be better than that. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15. 15% off at Built.com. I really want to eat these carrots, but I can't because there's nothing more irritating in a podcast than listening to someone chew. Mm. Um, so that's not a choice. On a scale of one to ten, Andy, how awkward do you think this plane flight's going to be? Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> oh my! It ain't I mean, going to be easy. Do you, how do you handle this? Do you do you like Russ? You and me in the back of the plane, we're going to hash this out. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix our beef before we land. Well, I, you know what? It, it's funny you say that. They've both had time, presumably, to cool off a bit and like let the immediate, immediate emotion of this. And I think this was very emotional for both Vogel and Westbrook. That's why Kinda, Westbrook didn't speak because he didn't want to. He didn't want to be quoted at that moment. Right. That's it, fine. Yeah. I, I, Russ, as much as Russ does his rush shtick often after games and can be uncommunicative and basically hostile, like he shows up, fine, whatever. I don't blame him for taking this one off. Nothing good was going to come Nothing good from was going to come out of him speaking. For, for, for Westbrook, for Vogel, for the Lakers, nothing yeah. good was going to come out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, having players have to respond to Russ's comments, like nothing. Like, good they got a long flight it may not be the worst thing in the world for the two of them to to take a private part of this private plane and talk through some stuff assuming there's anything that really needs to be said i mean russ probably knows exactly why this happens he he may think that vogel 
overreacted or he brings other stuff to the table that would offset this, whatever. But Russ can conceptually get why this happened. I I heard something interesting from Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, another great basketball writer today. And, you know, he was alluding to a lot of the stuff we've talked about, like how much can Russ change? How much is it on to Russ change? What is Russ? What does a changed Russ look like? Um, Any of all of that stuff. Um, And, you know, like the onus is on Russ to do it. And there's, um, you know, the example of LeBron playing center. He pointed out the example of Anthony uh, of, of, uh, Dwight Howard kind of reforming his game to stay in the league of, of Carmelo Anthony reforming his game to stay in the league. And that Westbrook is at a place where he needs to do some of those things as well. And some of that is, is defensive intensity. Some of that is attention to detail. I think actually offensively, he is doing mostly what he needs to do in terms of shot selection and not, not trying to dominate the ball. Although when he does have it, he does seem to use it a lot. I But here, this is actually, it's a very double-edged sword that you bring that up, Brian, because that is a glass half full, glass half empty look at this because it'd be one thing if Russell's offensive struggles were all just about he's taking crazy shots that you know that he shouldn't, he has no business taking. He's been relatively responsible with his shots. That could arguably make this whole thing even scarier. Yeah, I mean, because he's also, doing the things he's supposed to be doing that are supposed to be in his wheelhouse, and they're still not falling. Not working. Right. That's and I think this is you know he's not doing anything wrong per se. Um, he's doing. He's you know you pointed this out. Like Russ is being Russell Westbrook mostly, um, and that's what he's supposed to do. The question really becomes like, how much is a guy like Russell Westbrook capable of of changing stuff, um, and how quickly, um, and then what? And so, like, you know, when you talk about Dwight Howard, you know, Kevin O'Connor is correct. Dwight Howard did reform his game. It took four years for him to stop. Five years for four? him to stop. Being, <laughs> four or five years for him to stop pretending he was. A, a first team all NBA superstar needed to be treated as such. And he was basically down to his last chance yeah. to stay in the league. Had, had Carm- DeMarcus Cousins not gotten hurt before the Lakers season began, there is a decent chance Dwight would not have re entered the league. I'm not going to say absolutely, but I don't think it's impossible. It's not right. That he would have been out. Carmelo Anthony literally was out of the league before he came back to in, in a new role that he had to understand and embrace. The idea that Westbrook could instantly understand this stuff and instantly change and instantly do all these things and become a new player in a different role to the extent that he's capable of doing it even. And I'm not sure if he, I'm not sure what he is so singular in how he does things and what he does that I'm not sure what's possible or what that even looks like. Because also, too, you know, athletically, defense is different than offense and like, you know, I don't know what you know if he's quite got the 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 chops defensively to do that kind of stuff. The Lakers might need him to do, um, but the idea that it's going to happen in three weeks, in two months, in three weeks, whatever it is, over the course of a single season in which he was brought in to be Russell Westbrook, just seems unfair to Russ. To be honest with you, it's not that anybody's wrong. It's just. That is, an, it is a ridiculous expectation for somebody who is 
a top 75 of all time guy to just instantly reform his game and do all that stuff in 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 the course of of a month because you see the the plan a isn't working um, well, and this by the way is why it was potentially problematic to bring him here in the first place I don't want to spend too long on this just because I know we wanted to talk a little bit about LeBron and Mello's comments about Frank Vogel. Just, sure. you know, yeah. player comments on it. But just a couple reactions I had to that. First of all, I would I would disagree that this is supposed to be an instantaneous change for Russ because Russ has been in the position the last few seasons where it's been pretty obvious he has needed to change. So there's been a runway leading up to this point. That's and he's large and he That's has fair. largely refused to do that. Um, you know, he's made, I think, little concessions, but by everybody's accounts, Russ has basically been Russ. Um, the other thing, though, that I think is worth pointing out, there's kind of some Allen Iverson in Russ. And I'm a massive Allen Iverson fan. He's one of my all-time favorite players. Iverson was unwilling to change, and he basically unwillinged himself. Out, out of the, the league. league. Yep. And there are certain superstar players. You've Vince Carter's the guy that comes to mind most for me that showed an, a pretty amazing adaptability. Like the last third of Vince Carter's career was both fascinating and I think really enjoyable to watch. And, you know, there are certain things that he was able to adapt well towards because, for example, he's a very good shooter. So, He's always able to shoot, so that makes it easier to become 3 and D. But the flip side is he was never a defensive player during his superstar heyday. And he made a point of becoming better at it. And there are things that Russell Westbrook can do defensively, mm -hmm. like in terms of just awareness, in terms of things that he is supposed to be doing in terms of the game plan. We talked about making sure Karis LeVert goes left as opposed to right. I'm sorry, man. Th those are things within Russ's control uh, no, that again, he is. This, I, I'm not I saying, agree with you. I I'm agree not with saying you. that he's that he's bucking up against this as a principal thing. I'm saying whether out of habit, whether out of personality, whether whatever, he's not being attentive to those sorts of things that were, I'm sure, part of. Remember the grand dinner that LeBron and AD and Russ had at LeBron's may, house. They took the elevator, up. the elevator in LeBron's house up to probably his, I don't know, other house, like whatever. <laughs> his, his cloud city. <laughs> yes, like up to Bespin. And I'm sure this came up. This had to have come up. Like there are certain but things. My 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 point. No, I agree. I'm not, I'm not trying to absolve him of of responsibility. I know you're not. I'm just my saying. point is habits are incredibly hard to break they are um i also smoked for like almost 20 years and i quit and that that was brutal like right but it took 20 years and how many of those years did you know it was probably not a good idea well, a lot of the well you know and what? how a many times the, and how many times did it take you to, to to quit well i was gonna say many of those years that i spent saying that i was trying to quit i was not trying to quit at all <laughs> which is my but that's point. But, but same it's like the, the the but that's kind of my point the arc of these things is rarely instant and they often take longer and you sometimes you think you're doing it and you're not and sometimes you're trying sure. and it's just harder and it's no so i always knew that i wasn't quitting smoking right? <laughs> it was pretty well, it's, that's really easy because you find yourself smoking it's, the evidence saying, is like, right I knew, in front of you i knew when i was talking a big game about this versus when i actually was oh yeah so did i quit. i mean i remember some of this i mean yeah you're not you're not quitting um but 
and I just I only say this because and I it's not to absolve Russ from responsibility. These things are that are there are things that he could at least try to do in the same way that Carmelo tries to do some of these things, even when he's not very good at them. Um, but it's just it, it is part of the fundamental problem of bringing Russ in is the expectation yeah. that oh yeah well he'll be able to to switch now that it now that it really matters now that it's really like eh. um, some guys are built and play certain ways and what makes them what they are. If you start to take some of those things away, they're lesser uh, than what you need them to be. And some guys just aren't able to bend in in certain ways, whether because they won't or because they can't. Uh, But anyway, uh, you wanted to talk about LeBron and Melo before we go. Yeah, I I just thought it was pretty interesting. Um, Their their responses when being asked about Vogel's job security and the place that they were in, you know, I, I thought it was interesting you know, Mello pointing out a, a few different times in a few different ways. Ultimately, man, Vogel's not the one on the court. Mm-hmm. We are. Like, you know, there there were ways that we were ex- doing the game plan and we just didn't do it well enough. You know, both of them, both LeBron and Mello thought that, for example, against the Pacers, Karis LeVert just got hot. And in so many words, they were saying, you know, and this is, this is an old adage, but it's true. Great offense can beat great defense. I don't know if the Lakers were actually playing great defense, but the point what great being, offense always beats ordinary defense. <laughs> yeah, but like at the end of the day, Mello was pretty adamant with the idea of just like, look, Frank Frank Vogel can only hold our hands so far. Like mm-hmm. we got to go out there and do it. We're grown ass men. We've been playing a long time, and LeBron, um, I thought was also it's pretty complimentary of. Vogel, as much as he was very wary of, I think, really creating any type of quote at all. He was very clear, like, you know, he was a couple, he got a couple of questions. He knew where things were going. He's like, if you want me to, to, to bleep, you know, to, to, I mean, I guess I can quote him to shit on somebody. I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I think whether people were fishing for him to say something negative about Vogel or say something super positive about him. He wasn't really going to interject himself in there, but to the extent that he did, it was in support of the work that the coaching staff was done. So you 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 said this to me last night. Like he could have said Frank Vogel should be the coach of this team going forward, and I'm going to be angry if he isn't. And he didn't. But the next level down is basically what he said. Yeah. These guys are doing a good job. They're preparing us. It, it's our fault for not playing better. Yeah, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not being critical of LeBron sure. for not saying that. I just want mm-hmm. for the listener's benefit. Like, you know, as much as I do think he could do that and he could absolutely get away with it, LeBron has the juice to do it. And, you know, we've seen if if LeBron was willing to publicly allow Ingram and Lonzo and Kuzma and Hart and basically the whole team twist in the wind because he was publicly lobbying for Anthony Davis to get traded there, which was received rather negatively, rightly, he certainly could handle, I guess, what would be seen as a mono mono with the front office saying Frank Vogel should be the coach of this team because nobody would criticize him for that. But at the same time, if this is not something he feels that strongly about, you know, I don't think he did anything wrong by not saying that. He was supportive of Vogel. I didn't, it didn't feel like backhanded support or something that was ambiguous. I think he respects Frank Vogel. And if nothing else, I think he doesn't want to, I don't think he wants to be any part of Vogel being a straight up fall guy. I think, I think, right. that, I think that's fair. And I don't think he wants to play him out of a job. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think because you know, motivation. You know, we heard Antonio Daniels, for example, on Locked On NBA, uh, Locked On's NBA Insider, talking about like you know this isn't college. Guys have to go out and play, but at the same time, you know, it's not the coach's job to 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 rah rah you up as he as he put it. At the same time, there is something to that. There is something like if you have a negative relationship with your coaching staff, or you don't believe in them, you don't think they're like. That extra 5%, that extra 10%, whatever it is that goes beyond just professionalism, uh, where you know the respect helps motivate you and, and you get out there and everybody's pulling in the same direction, you're getting good results and all that, um, that is part of it. And if the coach doesn't have that, um, as it has clearly been with David Blatt when he was the coach in Cleveland, as it's been with every place Kurt Rambus has ever coached, um, <laughs> saying... <laughs> No reason, just saying. Um, it, it can subtract from that effort. That is not the problem with the Lakers. No, I, I agree. Think. I do not think they are trying to play Frank Vogel out of a job. They might no. anyway, but that's not the that's not the point. They are not uh, tanking Frank Vogel's job. Correct. And and I think LeBron's comments made that very clear. Even if it um, was not, I guess, as full throated of support as it possibly could have been, it was support. And, okay. and I think that's noteworthy. Want to thank everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day. Again, go check out Locked On Rams for your second listen with Travis Rogers. Really excited about that. Locked On Lakers on YouTube. Uh, we'll see everyone on Monday. Who knows? Maybe uh, Frank Vogel will be available to be a guest because he won't have a head coaching job anymore. We'll see.